Well, welcome to Vision Sunday, everyone. Great to see those of you who are here. Great to know that many people in the Ellison Public School right now in Springwood, welcome to you. Welcome to all the house party services that are happening. And if you've got an illness or something and you're at home on your own, in your own living room, own bedroom, great that you're with us as well. I want to welcome everyone to church. It's fantastic. But also Cambodia, Uton and the team in Cambodia, welcome. And people also in Port Macquarie, welcome, but no longer in Jordan Springs because they're all here now. Anyway, God bless you. Everyone take a seat, please. It is great to be in church and I've been looking forward to this day. It's wonderful. You're looking so well. Those of you in house services, you've never looked so well. You're looking great. <laughs> and um, it is exciting that we're able to do this. If there's a, a silver lining to the COVID-19 year of 2020 is that right now we can actually stream. We've actually been forced into streaming. And I think uh, part of our vision last year was spreading wider. And I think we did. I think we spread wider, which is fantastic. Well, today I get to share with you what I believe the Lord is saying to Strong Nation Church. And uh, I'm excited because uh, He has shown me over the years that His Word is true. And if with faith I apply it to my life and follow what He's asked me to do, um, the expected outcomes in my life are always good. That's what I've noticed. And I love it. Our vision for our church, Strong Nation Church, I remember through prayer, the Lord spoke to me. Our vision is simply strong man, strong family, strong church, strong nation. If you want to outwork that, strong individuals, a man and a woman who become strong through knowing God. Their lives are strong through walking with God in a discipled life. You get enough of them and you end up with strong families. You get a man and a woman who marry and create a family who are strong disciples. You can't help but have a strong family. And I'll tell you, one of the things that our nation needs right now is strong families, big time. And uh, you get enough strong families gathering together to honour God and you've got yourself a very strong church. A strong church which is able to help communities. A strong church which people look at and say, hey, there's something in that I'd like to know more about because of the strong church in a community. And if we get enough strong churches, we're going to see a very strong nation which is able to help other nations. That's our vision. That's what God spoke to me. It all starts with the individual. Every person with their life who Jesus died for every individual so that they could walk with him in his ways and have an amazing life, an abundant, fruitful, and everlasting life. Our mission of our church is this, to take Jesus to all people, helping all to walk abundant, fruitful, and everlasting lives. That's what we do. I've got a conviction that we take Jesus to people. It's not so much about bringing people to Jesus. Jesus' strategy for evangelism was always go, it wasn't come. Go into all the world, he said. Go to them, share good news. Let them know what I've done for them. That's what we do. We take Jesus to all people. And there's three main reasons why Jesus comes to give every person, and that is abundant, fruitful, and everlasting lives. That's what he's done. So I think it's right that the church's mission should be to do the same thing, that every person should have an abundant, fruitful and everlasting life. That's our mission. And something that we're not going to deter from, not while I'm here anyway, something that will always be on our hearts, will always be the reason why we do everything we do is our mission and our vision. It's pretty simple, really. As I was praying about today, the Lord reminded me, it was about 10 years ago. 
He showed me um, how our church outworks and what our church is a church of. He showed me that we're a church of communities, not a community church. And uh, what I never want our church to be is something, an organisation that pulls people out of communities. I don't want to do that. I want our church to be a gathering of various communities all around. I remember when I introduced this, we were just Hawkesbury Church. Now we're four churches happening. We've got Mountains Church, Penrith Church and Cambodia all happening. But I'm wondering whether it's even spread further than that. You see, there's all these different communities within our community. There's football communities, cricket communities, stamp collecting communities. And do you know what? Everyone is welcome. There's African communities, Asian communities, Aboriginal communities, non-Indigenous communities, which are all welcome in this church. Everyone. And I think every community can be their community. And when we come together, we come as the children of God together, the family of God. Oh, when I think about what I read in Revelation, every tribe, nation and tongue coming together to worship Jesus. Well, maybe even Rabbitoh supporters. I know it makes me shake when I say it, Lindsay. Oh, I heard him. We're a church of communities. And I want everyone to be part of a different community so that you can be light and salt. Maybe you're a fitness junkie. Get into your community. That's really what I love. Not only are we a church of communities, we're a church of generations. I've got to tell you, one thing that is always on my mind are the generations. Not just the living, but those that aren't born yet. Your children's children's children are on my mind. Because God is a God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God is a God who thinks way beyond our mortal lives. And I think his church should think the same. I think his church should be thinking about, you know, setting up something so the next generation can stand on our shoulders and the generation after them can stand even higher and higher again. You know, um, if you ever want to see something amazing, pop into this auditorium on a Friday night at seven o'clock and watch our incredible young people who God is gradually transforming into an army. The generation that I think we've got a responsibility to set up. I think it's great. Bunch of young people. And church, I want you to know with our kids' ministry, we're actually going through some changes with our kids' ministry and we're really looking to God for what he really wants with it. So Strong Nation Church, I'm going to actually ask you to be really, really patient with us and join us in faith because I don't just want to put on kids' programs to entertain kids. I don't think that's generational thinking. What I want to do is help every parent set up their kids so that they are strong men and women. I want to do that. And we're going to devise this year ways of doing that so that young people, even those that aren't born yet, we can actually set something up so that they can walk into it so that parents, your role of seeing them turn into men and women of God is made so much easier. That's what we want to do. We haven't got it nailed yet. We haven't got it figured out yet. But I'm going to ask you, would you join us in faith and prayer for it? I think we're going to do something very unique as Strong Nation Church in the way of kids' ministry. Why? Because we're a church of generations. I love that all of our generations can get together. I've got to admit, the older I get, I do like hanging out with people who walk a little bit slower, like me. <laughs> but like David, Lord, while I am grey-headed and grey-bearded, 
Do not forsake me until I set this generation up with your power. That was David's plan. That was David's heart. And that's my heart. Why? The generations matter. Third thing I believe God spoke about 10 years ago about a church, church of communities, a church of generations, but we're also a church of discipleship. The commission of Jesus Christ. Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you. Discipleship is so important for churches because our Saviour commanded it, but not only that, it was his method of changing the world. He could have actually attracted crowds. Can you imagine the conference Jesus would have attracted? Can you imagine how many people would have come to He didn't choose to do conferences. He taught crowds, but he invested into disciples and he trained them how to obey what God is talking to them about. He taught them the ways of listening to God and praying to God. Through experience after experience, these these disciples actually learned much more than they would have ever in a classroom. And he chose that method to see people changed and the world changed. And here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about it and the church is stronger now than it ever has been in history because Jesus made disciples. Discipleship is the key to seeing strong men, strong women. Discipleship is the key to parenting. Discipleship is the key to seeing a strong family. That's why we'll always be a church of discipleship. That's not sexy. Am I allowed to say sexy? It's not, you know, it's not always fun. It's not shiny, but it's essential. We're a church of discipleship. Why? Because generations matter and communities matter. We're a church of communities, we're a church of generations and we're a church of discipleship. The reason why we're a church of discipleship is because we remain strong in a time of crisis. Can I tell you, church, 2020 was a time of crisis, probably the biggest crisis I've seen in my lifetime. I've had a very fortunate life. And um, as a church pastor, it's very much, wow. Naomi and I see a, a mentor every three months and an um, experienced minister. Um, I think he's almost 80 years old now. And we just sit down and have a chat. And he mentors us. He talks to us and makes sure our mental health's good and all that sort of thing. He's doing really great. And he made this comment. He says, most men and women I speak to are not coping through this year. Most churches are not doing very well. They're doing okay, but they're not doing well. Rick, what you described to me is amazing because I think we've done brilliantly. Strong Nation Church, congratulations. You've done brilliantly. And I think it's because of the focus of discipleship. Discipleships don't run when it gets terrible. Discipleship, discipleship digs in. Disciples dig in and say, God's got to have some good in this. Maybe there's an opportunity. Well done. That's why we're a church of disciples. And we'll continue to do that. And we're going to get better at that. And today, what I want to share with you will really enhance that in a big way. I think we're doing really, really well. Well, this time last year, I stood up here with a theme that God just gave me. You know, going deeper, stretching wider was our theme last year. Anyone not remember that? (laughs) Don't put your hand up. You'll discourage me. (laughs) Going deeper, stretching wider. And I think we went deeper. I think it's one of the reasons why our our church was so strong through a time of crisis. But not only that, the scripture that God gave me was this. Ephesians chapter 5 in February last year. 
See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Well, I think 2020 was probably the most evil year I've experienced in my life. And uh, God gave us a word. If we would just do this, we'll be okay. So I want to say congratulations, strong nation. You did okay. We did well. Doesn't mean it was easy. Some of you worked so hard, incredibly hard. Some of you essential workers and nurses and teachers, essential services, well done and thank you. Parents having the homeschool, <laughs> well done. You didn't kill anyone, it's great. It wasn't easy, but I think we came out better. We've come out stronger. And we're going to go through a year which is not guaranteed to be any easier. But I guarantee you what God has got planned for you, you're going to be stronger. Your family's going to be stronger. Your marriage is going to be stronger. Why? Because I believe the word the Lord wants to share to us will strengthen us. Amen. But this year, I want us to continue what our Father has begun. Some of the things we, we really got into last year, and I want us to continue. I believe the Lord's given us some momentum, and one of them is chaplaincy. In school chaplaincy especially, where we actually have five chaplains, I think it's five, operating right now. And um, we started in Ellison Public School last year with Kelsey, doing an amazing job up there, and she's on maternity leave right now. And Sarah Robinson's actually gone up into that role, doing a fantastic job, and I hear the school loves it. In a couple of weeks' time, Sarah will also be going into Jordan Springs Primary School, the brand new school, I think it's the newest school in New South Wales right now. Anyway, they're open to having a chaplain and Sarah put a hand up. She's going to go in there. We've got Elijah doing work in Windsor Park with Nicola as well, doing work in, in Windsor Park. And Elijah's in Richmond Public, going in there doing SRE and also being a chaplain. And what's really special to me is in Windsor High School, this year we'll have four of our chaplains joining another chaplain from Windsor District Baptist, five chaplains operating out of Windsor High. Do you understand how rare that is? In fact, I don't know if there's another school that would have five chaplains happening. I think it's God. And I think God is on the move to do something incredible in a school which has great destiny. And most of the schools in the kids in those primary schools in the Windsor area are all going to come through that school. And I see God bringing healing into families. I see God bringing change into people's lives, in teachers' lives. We've already seen all that. We're going to see much more. God has opened doors. I want us to continue this. It's going to be awesome. We have a great chaplaincy team. Last year, what we saw happen a lot more than we normally do is things I like to call helps and hampers. And we put out so many hampers in the mountains, in Penrith, and also in Hawkesbury here, food hampers, understanding during a time of crisis, one of the things that uh, is going to be needed is supplies. Unfortunately, we couldn't get too much toilet paper, but that's okay. We've got a lot of food. Not only that... Um, Helping people, you know, we all know about what Karen and Brad are doing up there in Bilpin with Courageong, doing great with Mountains of Joy, incredible. But there's a lot more happening as well. I want to be a, put a big uh, shout out to Greg Skipper, who found a lady who's actually really overwhelmed, had a terrible blow in life, needed a lot of help. And um, on a very rainy day, myself and the stubs turned up to lift a lot of stuff out there and financially were able to help this lady because Skip said, we're helpers. We're helpers, we're not just hampers, we're helpers. And so I want us to do that more. In fact, I think this new year, remember the government helped us out a lot last year in the way of finances 
every family. That's stopping very shortly or it's being reduced at least. I think the need's gonna get greater this year. And I want us as a church to be spreading wider, looking for opportunities where we can actually be helping hands or helping feet or helping mouth or earpiece. Whatever we can do, we're gonna be able to provide help for every person. Why? Because that's what Jesus loves to do. Another thing is what's happening in Cambodia. It's incredible what's happening in Cambodia. Udon, shout out to you, my brother. You're an incredible man of God and, and he's developed a fantastic team. Because as you know, the Prevo family and Jenny and Minset are stuck in Australia. If you're gonna get stuck anywhere, it's the place to be stuck, right? They're stuck here. Jen's health and, and the Prevos were here on furlough but aren't able to go back yet. But that's okay. Udon has actually seen God do incredible things over there and raising up teams. And we're hoping that Ben and Theda and the family will be able to go back mid-year this year. And Jenny and Min said about the same time, heading back over there once Jenny gets the all clear from doctors. What will God do from the platform that he set up over there? I want to invest into it greatly. We've got Deb Neal also up there working with Mother's Heart and doing incredible work. Church, what I'd love to do this year is I'd like to sow more into it. I'd like to sow more into it. And I'll get onto that again later, what we'll be doing. I know Jenny Minsett have plans about Strong Village and Ben and Theta have many villages on their heart. They want to see churches planted. Well, we're going to see great things happen next year, this year. Also, last year I mentioned a thing called Project Lydia. I called it Project Lydia because what I'm believing for is a venue for a mountains church to call their own, where we don't have to worry about rental, we don't have to worry about whether or not we can be in there or not, it's our property. And I want Penrith to have the same thing and we're gonna need a miracle. We're gonna need a dead set miracle. Just, in, just as well, we don't worship Buddha because he doesn't do miracles. We worship God, the living God who does do miracles. And I'm believing for venues that we'll be able to, um, we'll be able to have without a, a, a back-breaking debt, but we'll be able to finance itself and we're gonna be able to utilize it to see the gospel spread. That's what we want. Well, this year, we, oh, sorry, in 2020, we made inquiries, but the Lord didn't open any doors. We're gonna keep knocking on doors and we're gonna wait for the Lord to open it because what I will not do is put us into back-breaking debt. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna let the Lord do it because I'd rather work on a miracle than work myself silly just trying to do it out of man's strength. Amen. But I want Mountains and Penrith to know, Penrith are meeting in house services today. I want you to know that we're praying and believing we're going to see this happen. And as we do, our equity gets stronger and stronger and stronger and the banks love us more and more and more. So that's great. I want us to continue our strong tithing and our strong giving. Two years ago, I remember standing here challenging us about honouring God with our tithes and, and we'd bring teaching every now and then. We'll be doing it again shortly, bringing teaching on what tithing's about. The main reason really, it's honouring God. You honour God with the first fruits of your labour, all your increase, the first 10%. You honour God with it. And how that changes your family is incredible. How it changes your life is incredible. Yes, it brings more finance into the kingdom, that's great. But what I prefer more is for families to be blessed. But not only our tithing, we actually offer seed giving, which is above our tithes. You see, it's the seed that brings the harvest. God doesn't promise that the tithes bring the harvest. The seed that brings the harvest. And our seed goes to chaplaincy. Our seed goes to uh, mission giving. Our seed goes to fixing up the building and doing, paying rent in our venues and things like that. That's where our seed goes to. I want our tithes to go to ministry. 
I want our tithes to go to the pastoring of our people. I, I really feel that's what the Lord really wants it for. So I'm going to ask you to continue to do that. I'm going to ask, ask you to get before God on that. Honour God with your finances. And I guarantee you, blessing and favour, you'll feel it all the time. I, I, I've lost count of how many people are building new houses right now in our church. It's incredible. There's a whole bunch of them. Maybe that's an indication of the favour. Who knows? I want us to do that. And also, in June this year, we're going to be uh, having our miracle seed offering. Again, I want us to sow seed. I want us to sow seed and reap a, 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 a reward. I want us to reap harvest. It's in the seed planting. I would not be a good pastor if I didn't say, come on, guys, let's sow some seed. And of course, it's optional, but I want to prompt you if I can. Why? So that you can see the blessing that comes with it. Amen? That'll be in June. One more thing I just want to tell you about things we will be doing. And um, I mentioned that Ben Prevo is here. Well, I'm not going to let him sit down and do nothing. I'm going to take advantage. I'm, I'm an opportunist. And Ben has a heart for men, to see men become men and stop being boys. And unfortunately, in our society today, we have a plague. I call them, well, Ben calls them kidults instead of adults. Little boys running around in 40-year-old men's bodies. And it's a big issue in our life. We're trying to address things like domestic violence. If we just got rid of the boys and produced men, we wouldn't have a problem. So what we're doing on the 23rd of February is we're going to be starting a, a, a six-week series right here in this auditorium called Strong Men. And if you'd like to come, I'd love to have you here, men. Sorry, girls. If you're female, if you have ex ex Chromosomes, I'm sorry, you can't come. You have to have a Y chromosome to come. Is that cool? Does that make sense? Y chromosomes only. And um, Mountains Church, if you would like to actually gather some men in your living room as leaders. And Penrith Church, the same thing. We're going to be streaming it live because I would like any man who wants to to, to join it with us in these six weeks. And we're going to be walking a journey to becoming a strong man. Basically, it's going to be a rites of passage for every man. Something that one day you might be able to take your son through as well. That's what we're looking for. And Ben Prevo is an incredible young man who has a passion for this, researches it, and has an anointing to impart it. We're also going to be inviting our community to it. And I've already had indications of people from outside of our church, men, saying, I really want that. So we're going to invite the whole community to it. Who knows? As of next week, we can have 250 people in here, so maybe that'll be okay. Who knows? So put that in your diary if you'd like to, men. Anyway, about this year. What is the word for this year? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. God spoke to me and said this. Now, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That's the word God spoke to me about November last year. Rick, all things are new. I said, I know where that scripture is. He said, look it up. So I did. Behold, all things are new. Sounds like a nice little title. But there's much more to it than just all things are new. Why are all things new? Let's look at the scripture. Paul says, 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Why? If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That's why. We don't see things anymore from a worldly point of view. We see things differently now because we're new creations. We see things from a kingdom perspective, not from a worldly perspective. A crisis comes along, we don't look through natural eyes anymore, we look through spiritual eyes now. Why? Because we're new creations. We have a supernatural point of view. The old way of seeing things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. I got real excited when I realised what the Lord was saying to me. I believe this year is not just a normal year, I'd like to label it a supernatural year. I think he wants to change us and move in us supernaturally in a powerful way. So much so that you probably won't be the same person as what you think you are right now, this time next year. He wants to transform us and bring a transformation through us. The words in my spirit, behold, all things are new. You see, the new creation is so important in Christianity. It is so important. Jesus one day met with a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a teacher of the law. Nicodemus comes to him, it was actually at night, and says, I see these miracles. You're obviously not acting alone. You're obviously with God. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, when you see two words together in the Bible, truly, truly, Jesus probably didn't say truly, truly. The scribe actually put truly in there twice to say he really meant this. He emphasised it. So in other words, Jesus says, truly, I'm telling you, unless you are born again, or one, one translation says born from above, you won't see the kingdom. My take on that is this. The kingdom won't make sense to you. You won't see it. Because you, you, you've got worldly eyes, you won't see the kingdom in action. It won't make any sense to you. He goes on to say, unless you were born of water and the spirit, born of water, mum's water's broke when I was born, you know, born of water, and the spirit, unless you have a natural birth and a supernatural birth, you can't enter the kingdom. You can't walk in it. it, it, it won't, you won't know that you're in it. I think the born again experience is a vital experience for Christians. It's incredibly important. The new creation, the, the whole new start, if you like, of, being a, of walking in life. The old man is now gone, the new man is here. It is so important. Why? So that we see things differently. So that we respond differently. So that we react differently. As we move into 2001, I think God's going to require this of his church more and more. We've got a world that's freaking out right now. We've got a world that's actually in panic and fear right now. An entire world in fear right now. Just go and have a look at the toilet paper shelves and have a look how much fear there is in the grocery shops. That was incredible what happened there, it's fear. Wouldn't it be just right that the church would see things differently? They'd see what the kingdom's doing right now? What God is saying and what God is doing at this time? And a church that comes out and starts living that? We can actually bring healing to the world. It all begins with the born again experience. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was out at Gilgandra. I don't think they're streaming in, but if you are, hi Gil. And uh, 
Communion time came and my 90-year-old uncle got up and did communion. There you go, Bob. Uncle Bob got up there and did a great job, sang a couple of hymns, it was awesome. And then he sat down and my 86-year-old uncle got up and preached the word. <clears throat> Good solid word, Uncle Don, it was a great message. I sat down and started pondering these men because the truth of it is there was about nine of these brothers and cousins, all burrows, who had this experience about 70 years ago. They were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. My dad was one of them. Dad's at home, house service. And he recalls to me, he was about 13 or 14 years old, and he remembers going to a tent meeting and getting prayed for, laid hands on, and all of a sudden for three days, he could only speak in tongues. Can you imagine what his parents thought? <laughs> anyway, my understanding is one of their uncles, Uncle Arden, because his sons and his nephews were doing this. He said, if this is real, we're going down opposite the pub and we're going to do some street preaching. See if it's real, boys. They all got changed. You know what they all did? All went down there and started preaching the gospel. Yeah, they got heckled. Might not have been the best form of evangelism, who knows? But what's important to it is this. My dad is 80 years old this year, still on fire for God. We had a 90-year-old uncle weeping as he shared communion to his church. Another man who's a real leader, Uncle Don, at 86 years old, preaching the gospel as if he just found out about it at 86. Every one of them except for one, Uncle Lenz, he died at 90. He was preaching the gospel up until he died. Every one of these men are still passionately in love with Jesus. Every one of them. How did that happen? Transformation. If they weren't born again, it would have worn off by now. It would have become a religion. They probably would have got tired of going to church. Or they would have made a swap to church, 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 church just to try and find something where they might get a hit. But when you're born again, you don't need that because he is the hit. Behold, all things are new because you were radically transformed in a supernatural way. You don't know how it happened. You can't manufacture it. It just happens. It's powerful. I know when I was about 16, I was uh, a cripple. I, I had arthritis in my legs and I spent some holiday in a wheelchair. And I was on the way out of the wheelchair and I was in a walking frame and I did a lot of physiotherapy. But we had these men of God in our church. One of them name was Pastor Gordon Gibbs, another one, Pastor, um, oh, sorry, I forgot his name. Oh, I don't want to forget it. I'm going to forget it, sorry. Ken Tidyman. I'll never forget Pastor Ken Tidyman. They come and laid hands on me. Seemed like every week they come and lay hands on me. And I didn't realise what was happening. But God was beginning to move in my life powerfully. And then one day when I was walking, I walked up the front for this thing they called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit just dumped on me and I was changed forever. Somewhere in there, I got born again. I, I don't know when, I don't know how, but somewhere from the moment they started laying hands to maybe a year later when they prayed for me, I got born again. And I've got to tell you, it's never gone cold in me. Here I am 54 years old, I'm not turning back. 
I'm not looking for some gizmo to give me a hit because I have a God who hits me all the time. That could be translated wrong. Anyway, he does hit me that way too. I know as a parent how important the born again experience is, the new creation is. And I'm so honoured with my five children who I see who are switched on to God. But I've got to tell you, I had a little bit to do with that. I made sure they went to places where the Holy Spirit was moving. Planet Shakers Conference, IC Conference, Forever Free. I, 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 I would crawl over broken glass to get my kids to those things because they've got to experience it. I remember Judah. One day he was seven years old. Hi, Pastor Judah, up at Mountains. He was seven years old, standing next to me in a conference that Hawkesbury Church was running at Penrith, <laughs> at my church over there. And I was on the front row, Tim Hall was preaching. But it was worship time. And Judah, I'm looking down, he starts crying. I say, Jude, what's, what's happening? I can feel God. <laughs> I'm wondering whether he got born again at that moment because he was there. I don't know, but I do know he's born again. I do know he's living as a new creation. The old has passed. He sees things differently. It is so essential. It is so essential. And it's something, church, that we are bringing to the foreground in our church this year. I don't want to leave it back. I don't want to forget about it. I want to keep it in the front, on the front page of what we do on spiritual encounters. A supernatural God. Something only God can do. Are you born again? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a new creation? I hope so. I can't tell. Only you can. Because I don't think Christianity should be just, oh, I just decided to follow Jesus, even that's a great song and a great saying. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be a life-changing transformation that only the Holy Spirit can do. So I'd like you to come on a journey with me, church, a supernatural journey into Pentecostal discipleship, if you like, or Holy Spirit discipleship. Walking this journey differently, understanding the Bible differently, understanding God differently. I want you to come on this journey with me because it is so essential. You see, unless you've been supernaturally transformed, following God will become all about behaviour modification. And that is not Jesus' intention at all. Behaviour modification sounds gallant, it sounds honourable, and it sounds really nice. But I've noticed it is a well-worn path to condemnation and judgmentalism and legalism. Jesus doesn't want us to try to become better people. Buddhists can do that. You don't even need to know Jesus to become a better person. In fact, I'll guarantee you, if you try, you'll fail anyway because I've failed several times at trying to just become a better person by being good. It doesn't work. Man will always fall short. I think this is what Paul was getting at when he wrote Romans chapter seven. And over the next few weeks, I wanna, wanna teach you a lot more about this because it's so important as foundation. Romans chapter seven, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. This is Paul the apostle. 
Nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. In verse 24, he says this, wretched man that I am, the Apostle Paul, the wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Wow. Because he's trying to be good. He's trying to behave better. And in church, we've been guilty of telling people to do that. Read your Bible, pray. Do it more, do it more. Memorize scripture. And we get really good at doing it, but it always just drops off. I don't think that's the answer. I really don't think it is the answer. Romans 7 is very eye-opening, but thank God for Romans 8, my favourite chapter in the whole Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is, sorry, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some translations finish there, the New King James doesn't. It goes on to say, who walk according to the, not, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Next week, I'm going to explain that scripture a lot more to you about why that was left out and why it probably should be put back in. Because in context of the rest of the chapter, he's spot on. So many people walk around as defeated Christians, wondering how they're going to make it, feeling guilt-ridden. It's because they're not walking in the Spirit. They're feeling condemned. They're not condemned because they have faith in Christ, right? There's no condemnation if you've got faith in Christ because you're saved. But you're definitely walking around defeated if you're not walking in the spirit, but you're walking in the flesh. That's probably more the right context. Oh God, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. I'm not good. I'm too cranky all the time. I'm tired all the time. I'm just not a good person. It's because you're trying to do behaviour modification and that's not the answer. Paul brings the answer in Galatians chapter five. In fact, if you read Romans chapter eight, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of doctrine Applied to what it means to walk in the Spirit and just letting you know at Hawkesbury here, I'm preaching that next week. Galatians chapter five, Paul says this, but I say to you in verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Wow, hang on. Walk in the Spirit and I won't gratify the desires of the flesh. He goes on then to write a list of what we've come to know as the works of the flesh. Hatred, violence, factions, arguments, murder, This is what comes out of a life, jealousy, gossip. These things, they're the works of the flesh. The things that come out of a life that when you're not walking in the spirit, when you're trying to do good, but you can't. But thank the Lord that he put in another verse just down from there in verse 22, the fruits of the spirit. When you are walking in the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I'm sure there's another one in there. It's probably an inconclusive list really. Everything that Christ is starts flowing. See, we don't do the fruits of the Spirit. That's not our objective. You be them. You don't try your life trying to love people more. You don't spend your life trying to be peaceful. That's not what fruit does. What you do is you come to Jesus because you're born again and you can, the spirit that dwells in and around you, and you drink from that well or eat from that tree if you like, all of a sudden that fruit starts coming out of your life. I have peace, I have patience, 
of kindness. I love people, excuse me, I love people more and more. That's the key. Don't try and do the fruits of the Spirit. Allow God to produce them through your life. Behaviour modification will kill you, but Jesus will bring you life. Think of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. He said, there's many trees you can eat from, but there's one you can't eat from. He called the tree the knowledge of good and evil. Right? He also mentions the tree of life. Now, that's the one you want to be eaten from. In Revelation, we find out that the tree of life is Jesus. But the tree of the knowledge of good, you know what? If we go around trying to behave better as people, we'll get really good sometimes. In fact, I think we'll get the knowledge of good. But it might as well be the knowledge of evil. It's the same tree. It has the same judgment. No, no, no. It's not about what's right and what's wrong. It's about what's dead and what's alive. Let's go to the tree of life. Who is Jesus? That's the key. So what do we do? How do we do this? Where do we start? I've just scratched the surface on a bit of teaching and I know my time's running short. But where do we go? Well, it begins with this. Church, right now we have house services happening everywhere, which is amazing. That is an outworking of oikos. Church family. Spiritual family, if you like. I love it. And tell you, tell you now, if you want to grow spiritually, that's the best place, seedbed you can put yourself in, is in an oikos. Because every one of them has spiritual parents who have been through the journey. And I'd like everyone to say, hey, I want to be part of one of these oikos groups. I want to be part of them. You get to have lots of meals together, which is great. And it's not going to be, you have to have it every second week or anything like that. No, no, no. Oikos is like the word church. It's not a meeting. It's a group of people who do various things. That's the noikos. And I'm going to ask everyone to really grab hold of an oikos and be part of it. If you don't know who or what to speak to, there's plenty of good leaders here today or in the church up at mountains. I want you to be part of one of these groups. They're groups of, say, 10 through to 30 people who look out for each other, their family, and grow together. But not only oikoses, we have things called huddles. Last year we went to weekly huddles because in a time of crisis, it's a really good move and it works so well. Huddles are where you learn how to do what we're talking about. How to process things spiritually. How do you read your Bible with Holy Spirit guiding and directing you? How do you do that? How do you walk this journey so that you can always remind yourself not to try and do the fruits of the Spirit, but to be them? How do you do that? It's in the huddle. Weekly meetings, Zoom calls is what a lot of us are doing, where we're learning weekly and we're getting into that. It's a real good discipleship tool. It's also a great outreach tool as well, if you're really good. You can do Alpha through those huddles. We can do God, Money and Me, learning about biblical financial discipleship. All those sort of things happening. We want to equip you and give you as many resources as we can through huddles. I'd like you to do that. Another thing I'd like us to look at is this, a thing called homes and hubs. Homes and hubs. I'm in one of our hubs right now. It's called Hawkesbury Church Auditorium. And up at mountains, we have a hub called Ellison Public School. And in Jesus' name, soon we're going to have a hub for Penrith Church, hopefully Jordan Springs Primary School, hopefully. And... Um, they're our hubs, but we also have lots of homes. And I understand that one of our challenges is time. 
How do you do all this, Rick? How do you do Oikos Church? How do you do it all? Well, what I want to do to you, and I hope you understand what we're going to do here, is on a Sunday morning, I'm okay if your Oikos wants to gather in a house service, in a home instead of a hub. And have a service there where you can do communion together and maybe eat a meal together or combine together. Or you can use the hub and come and be part of church here or or our other hubs and worship and do church like that. It's up to you. I want to provide the okay from Pastor Rick, if you like, to do this. I was speaking with our leaders last week saying, if you're an Oikos leader, you're running a group of spiritual parents and you feel they need a spiritual retreat, take them away for the weekend and look to Holy Spirit for the transformation. You know, why not do that once or twice a year? You're okay to do that, I'll trust you. See, I want our church to spread wider. That's three weeks a month I wanna do that, but another thing I wanna introduce to you today is a thing called First Sundays. First Sunday of every month. Next one will be March 7th. I'd like us all to come to church. Come to the building, come to the hub. And I want us to come with such faith such expectation that God is going to move powerfully. I want to give opportunities for people to experience the presence of the Holy Ghost. If they can't do it in a home, which they can, they can do it in a bus. But maybe in church is the place where they'll open up and have enough faith. Or maybe the, the joint faith of all of us might be enough for someone to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit like never before and have that transformation. I know in my life, I was born again at around 16, 18, around there somewhere. But I've had to have these transformation times regularly. It's like I need a grease and oil change because sometimes you get tired and we're living in a very natural world and the new creation starts feeling a little bit like an old creation. Well, I wanted that first Sunday of every month to be one where, hey, we're gonna make it a priority to get to church that day. That's the day. Now you can come all days if you want, all Sundays, that's, all, that's fine. I'll be here if I'm not away. But that one Sunday, the first Sunday, I'm gonna actually ask us to do something and I'll tell you why. As I spoke to you about two years ago, I challenged us on honouring God with your finances. And so many of you have really responded to that and it's been brilliant. I think you've benefited from it. Well, I'm gonna actually ask you to honour God with the first day of the month. I'm gonna actually ask you to do that. And on a Sunday morning, you might feel tired. Oh, I don't know whether we'll get up today, kids. No, Dad, no, Dad. You're honouring God that day. Why don't you get them ready and bring them to church? Oh, there's, oh, it's beach weather today. Maybe we should go to the beach instead. No, 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 not, not on that day. We're not honouring beach, we're honouring God. And see what it does to your family. See what it does to your marriage. See what it does to you. As you say, I'm gonna, if I have to, sacrifice to honour God this day. So as your pastor, there's a challenge for us. First Sunday of every month. 7th of March, then the next one after that is Easter Sunday morning. We're gonna come together with expectancy and faith. And I'm gonna believe Maybe God's going to do miracles in people's hearts. Who knows? 
We're going to preach the word. We're going to worship. We're going to put on a kids program. And like I said, we're reevaluating kids programs right now. We really are. But I'm, we're going to put on a kids program where they're going to have their own church service because I want them to encounter God. I want children to encounter God. And I don't want them to get lost in a, 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 a forest of tall trees. I want them to have their own band down there worshipping God and to see something amazing happen with children. You know why? I grew up seeing legs grow in kids' ministry. Backs healed. Warts falling off people's faces through prayer. That's where I grew up. Kids can experience that. And I'll tell you, they will never change. Amen. Have you heard of the Hadron Collider? They actually produced the thing called the Hadron Collider, which uh, was meant to prove uh, that God's not real, really, that the Big Bang happened, that you could make something out of nothing. And uh, so what it is, it's this 27-mile tunnel, big ring, a circle. And what they do, almost at the speed of light, they send protons around this thing almost at the speed of light and they make it collide with various things, other proteins, other uh, protons, other neutrons on, and electrons. And, and they're trying, what they're trying to do is trying to produce matter out of nothing. They, they call it the God particle. They're looking for the God particle, which they have never found by the way, because only God can create from nothing something. Only God can do that. Only God can bring life. Anyway, they found this thing called the Higgs field. A man called Higgs created this magnetic field that they ran this proton around this 27 mile ring, almost at the speed of light. And it came through this force, this magnetic force. And what they found, a proton has a little bit of matter on it. Just a, it's subatomic and you can't see it with the eye, right? But it has this little bit of matter on it. And when it went through the force, it had more matter on it. So it did it again, went again, bang, and it had some more matter on it again. Every time it goes through the force, there's this zone, this field, it picks up a little bit more matter. I started thinking about our model of church that we're looking at. Hubs and homes. Maybe for three weeks you're out there serving in your community as a church on a Sunday morning, maybe. Maybe on a Sunday morning, instead of worshipping God with your hands lifted, maybe you're going to worship God with your hands wrapping into a garden, helping someone who can't help themselves, saying this is worshipping God. I'm okay with that. Out in our community doing things. But what I'd like you to do is once a month, come through the force. Come through the magnetic field called Holy Spirit on a Sunday hub service, first Sunday. And allow yourself just to rest, allow yourself to rest in His presence, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then for the next three weeks, be the church in action. Maybe it's having meals, maybe it's reaching out, maybe it's coming here to reflect, I don't know. It's up to you and the oikos that you're part of. Why? Because I want you to have plenty of time, I want you to enjoy your family. But on that first Sunday of every month, I want you to treat it a bit like a Sabbath. You see, a Sabbath is where you honour God. You honour yourself by resting. You honour your family. And you honour your people, your church, your people you do church with. And I want to see 
how that affects us all. Some of you could do with a really good rest on a Sunday. You do know the Sabbath is one of the top 10. Ten Commandments is pretty important to God for you to rest. But I'm wondering whether we could spend a day honouring God. Don't worry, we're not going to have a long service. It'll only be an hour, hour and a half, somewhere around there. We're not going to have a five-hour service. But I'm wondering whether that day you can go home and have a meal with family and allow God to be honoured in your family and honour your family. Maybe mums and dads, just make a point of inviting guests over and honouring them, your people, your community. Maybe. Just some ideas. Behold, all things are new. Here's the key to it. The new creation. Being born again. Walking in the Spirit. Allowing God to direct your life in a supernatural way. We no longer see things as the world sees them, Paul says. Why? Because anyone who is in Christ, they're a new creation. Behold, all things are new. Honey, you got those things? What I'd like to do as we finish up, thank you. I got myself a nice latte with almond milk and it's my favourite drink at the moment. So. And a cookie, Carbohydrate City. What I'd like to do in house services right now and, and maybe Ellison, we actually can't do it here because we can't do it covertly safe, I'm sorry, to do communion together. But what I'd like you to do at home is you're going to have a party. Maybe it's a brunch, maybe it's an afternoon tea or morning tea or maybe it's lunch. What I'd like you to do at the beginning of that is do what Jesus did at His supper. Grab something to eat and something to drink. And before you do anything else, I want you to remember the sacrifice He paid. And I want someone to lead this around every table maybe. Break the bread or break the cookie or break the mandarin and just say, thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken. I remember it now. And then take the cup of your juice, coffee, tea, Coke and say, Jesus, thank you for your blood that was spilled. I remember it. And I'd love you to start your party that way. Here, Maybe when we go home or when we go down to the cafe, maybe we just take that moment. That's true communion, you know. And again, we don't see things as the world sees them. We see it through supernatural eyes, what this really is. It's not a cookie and a coffee. It represents what He did for me. And I remember that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for me so I could live this new creation life. That's why we do it. Amen. Well, let me pray for you, house services, house parties and, and Springwood. Father, I thank you for every person there. Lord, may this be a year of supernatural transformation. Behold, all things are new in everyone's life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna hand it over to the house services. God bless you. See you next time.